T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Baseball is back. And so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. my friends welcome back second hour of at your service tonight six minutes past nine o'clock in st louis my name is dave simons certified financial planner and head of the simons and cordis wealth management group located within the friendly confines of ubs financial services but you don't really care about that right now that's what i do for a living during the day here in the evening i get to talk about other types of things although there's been a decidedly um um, angle of investing in financial economic related matters tonight. Okay, that's just what I do. Sometimes when I'm here in the evenings, I barely touch on financial and investing stuff and because there's so many other things going on that I want to talk about. But tonight, you know, as we end the year, which has been a very tumultuous year, I just have felt that we needed to kind of go back and re- have a little bit of a reset to remind ourselves what's important. And that's why I talked about our pair principle and why we have to think more long-term, why this time of year don't get caught up in all of these predictions for 2023. Hey, did you hear what that guy said? He thinks the Dow's going to you know, go down 40%. Yeah, he doesn't know. She doesn't know. It doesn't matter. Just like the guy on the bullish side. Well, I think the, the market's going to rebound and go up 32%. They don't know. They I mean, they are professional judgments, no question about it. I'm not saying that they just pull the number out of a hat, but they come up with their own modeling and they make a prediction and they'll be wrong. That's just the way it works. You got to take care of yourself and just make sure the portfolio matches what you're trying to accomplish. And it will over time if it's reasonably balanced. The other thing that I think has a lot of people worried right now, because the headlines are chock full of it, and I think wrongly so. And that is the housing industry. There is all kinds of worry and angst and gnashing of teeth that somehow we might approach 2008 in terms of this big fall off in home prices. Folks, I'm here to tell you that's not going to happen. I could give you a variety of reasons why today is so different than what we saw in 06, 07, 08 in the housing bubble that crashed and the financial industry that fell along with it and how perilously close we really did come to another Great Depression. I'm telling you, I was there on the front lines talking to a lot of folks out there who were managing um, the, the situation at various financial institutions and banks. It was enough for, if you recall, the Treasury, the Fed, 
Congress, the president, they tried not to panic people, but I'm telling you, behind the scenes, they were worried this thing was about to collapse, our economy. We're not there. That's not happening. The banks are very well capitalized. Um, Now, let me get back to the housing situation. Yes, there's no question. The data shows that um, home sales are way down. We expected that. You couldn't keep this up forever. But to think that the value of your home, your home price is also going to decline 15, 20 percent. Sorry, folks. In my opinion, not even close to happening. Let me give you some uh, sort of a personal experience here a year ago. Like many of you uh, who have gone through this before, you uh, you become empty nesters. And depending on the size of your house, as your kids are gone and you and your wife look around at the 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 empty walls and kind of this new quiet in the house, which actually sounds pretty good. But you realize you don't need this big of a house anymore. And that's the realization that we knew we would eventually come to. So a year ago, sort of at the peak of the of the uh, of the housing industry in terms of the exponential rise in prices, we put our house up for sale. And just like everyone who's selling that day, including cash offers, that was the easy part. We were done. Man, this is great. But then we had to go to the other side, right? Now we had to buy something. And we toyed with it. Do we just rent an apartment for a little while? No, nah, I didn't really want to do that. Plus, we have dogs. Should we just get a little condo? Yeah, we looked at that, a little townhome or whatever. But we really just like the 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 quiet, individual, nice little house on a street corner somewhere. And that's what we were looking for. Oh, my goodness. I know a lot of you went through this. You see a house you like, you put it in offer, and you get outbid by five different people well above asking price. Okay, well, that didn't work. Then you go to another place, same thing happens. We were real close on our third offer. Somebody matched us, but then agreed, ah, they would waive an inspection. Well, no way am I waiving an inspection. I'm sorry. I think that's that's ridiculous, too risky. It's not responsible. So I've said, no, I'm not going to do that. So we lost out on that. We finally got one, and we're we're happy with it. Well, now fast forward a year later, and people are thinking, oh, I missed it. Housing market's about to collapse. No, it's not. Folks, there is a difference between home sales and home prices. The number of home sales is down across the country. Of course, it was going to have to happen. You know what? We're returning to normalcy, where when you list your home, you may not get asking price now. And you may have to wait more than three minutes to get your first offer. You might actually have to wait weeks or a month or so, and then you get an offer that's below, and then you negotiate, and then you come up with a compromise number. That's the way it's always been as someone who has sold three or four homes in his lifetime. We all know that. We've returned to that. But even there, homes are still being sold across the country at full asking price, maybe a little bit below. I think this was in the journal. Where did I find this? Oh, Market Watch, Market Watch. It it, it um, used one guy in particular, David Richter of uh, suburb uh, west of Chicago. And he just put his town home on the market in late October. And he, in his own words, thought he was late to the party. We know that mortgage rates have climbed, of course, 20-year highs. Uh, housing market is slowing in terms of sales. And, 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 and David Richter feared that he was going to be stuck with this home over the winter, and he was prepared to drastically cut the price 
if it didn't sell quickly. He needed to get out. Um, instead, as he reported, would-be flockers big time came out to see his property, and he sold it within a couple of days, just slightly below asking price. That's normal. Things haven't changed. Are we seeing some home price slippage in some of the hotter markets around the country? Yeah, that was inevitable. But anxious buyers and sellers are definitely finding one constant in all this. Despite the rising rates, despite inflation, all this economic uncertainty, folks, here's the coup de grace here. There still aren't enough homes to meet demand. This is Econ 101, supply and demand. The equilibrium is off still. Demand is down, but supply is down even more. It's still off kilter, which is keeping a floor under prices. And you know what's happened? Now that home sales have declined, home builders have also pulled back. So supply is staying low and will for some time. In this same article, You're going to recognize one of these cities. The article talks about the counties that surround big cities are actually still doing well with keeping home prices up. And then it said some big cities themselves have seen a a continued resilience in home prices. It lists three, Sacramento, Miami, and this place called St. Louis, Missouri. How about that? Now, yes, there are going to be exceptions. There are going to be some one-offs. But overall, the data shows that not only in most of your big cities and counties surrounding big cities, that the the, uh, real estate market, even though sales are down, prices are staying, um, um, what do I want to say, basically where people want to sell their homes. We're not seeing these big declines. So that's really what I wanted to get across is people are fearing the stock market. I get that. People are fearing the economy. I get that. Let's not add in this huge decline in the value of your home to that mix as well. That's just not going to happen. It Some slippage, yeah, but it all gets back to supply and demand. Basic Econ 101, and supply is going to stay punk for some time. The analysis that I've read from real estate analysts have basically said we we remain several million homes nationally, under where we need to be just to meet current demand. Even with the demand that has slipped, we remain several million homes under, and that is not going to close anytime soon. Speaking of states, speaking of prices and taxes, as we one of the reasons, again, why we wanted to uh, downsize was to reduce our property taxes, insurance, and all that. I got some news for you. What are the states that have the lowest overall tax rates? When you add everything in, income tax, state income tax, property taxes, sales tax, all that, we got all 50. I'm not going to go through all 50, of course, but I'll tell you what the most expensive states are when you add up all the taxes, the cheapest states, and I'll tell you where Missouri is and Illinois. You might be surprised. Maybe you're not. We'll do all that when we come back with more at your service right after this. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network, from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Over here. 
plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. And Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Trusted information, live and local. From the award-winning KMOX Newsroom. All right, my friends, welcome back. It is 920. Dave Simon's along with you. By the way, if you would like to receive my weekly email commentary that I've been writing for 22 years, it goes out every Friday, and it's only $1,000 a year. And No, just kidding. It's free. It's always been free, and it's anonymous, so nobody is ever emailing you back to say thank you. Now would you like to buy this? I, I personally don't even see your name. It doesn't even come to me. I write it. Your email address goes on a blind carbon copy email template, and then you can do with the information what you want. I've been, like I said, writing it for more than a couple of decades, and uh, it's basically... Uh, my opinion on what's happening in the financial world, maybe even what we're doing in our little corner of it. And we have fun with it, too. I'll throw in some, um, some, you know, fun, entertaining stuff a lot of times at the end. And usually you can read it within five minutes. It's not some long, you know, like you get a lot of these uh, newsletters and things mailed to your box. It would take three days to read through that. That's not what this is. Um, anyway, if you'd like to subscribe to it, you just need to email uh, my work address, which is David period Simons at UBS dot com. That's David dot Simons, as in S-I-M-O-N-S, one M, S-I-M-O-N-S, at U, B as in boy, S is in Sam dot com. You don't have to write anything in the email um, area, just in the subject line. Just sign me up to your commentary, add me to your list, whatever. They'll get it. They'll add you, and then uh, you'll get uh, this week's on Friday, which I was uh, working on today. Has to go through compliance, all that good stuff, and then you'll eventually get it. So there is a company called Wallet Hub. Very interesting. They're a financial website, but they do um, all these interesting surveys. Sometimes, perhaps you've seen them. They'll say, you know, the most sinful cities in the country, and they look at all this data. Um, you know, best. Best cities to be a single in, and they'll look at other things like downtown living and the, the affordability and, you know, how many bars are within walking distance and, you know, whatever, things like that. Well, they came out with this one um, tax burden by state. And what I like what they did here is they didn't just look at state income tax. Too many of these surveys, they'll just stop there. 
Okay, this is the cheapest state to live in because here's what their state tax rate is. Well, you you got to go farther than that. You you really have to look at what the average income is. It's one thing to have, let's say, a really low state income tax in this state over there. But if that's not a state that has real high income, like a South Dakota, for example, or a Wyoming, that's going to be different from a state that might have a higher income, a state tax rate, but that the average income is a lot higher. So you have to factor that. Plus, I I also want to know about sales tax. You can have a state like Texas, for example, where my daughter lives and has no state income tax, but their real estate taxes are really high. So they make it up in other areas, sales tax at the same time. So Wallet Hub puts all of that together and then voila, says, here are your most expensive states. Now, number one, no surprise, with all those factors inputted into their data and they spit it out, and here it is, the state of New York has an effective tax burden of nearly 13%. So that's just your state stuff, my friends. That's not even your federal income tax. So that's number one. Barely under that at number two, most expensive in terms of state overall state taxes, is Hawaii. I could see that. Number three, Maine. Four is Vermont. Five is Minnesota. Interestingly, six of the top eight are in the New England area. The aforementioned New York, Maine, and Vermont. And then you add six, seven, and eight are New Jersey, Connecticut, and Rhode Island. For what it's worth, coming in at number 10 in terms of the highest state tax burden is Illinois, with an effective tax burden of 9.7% based on all the data that I talked about. Uh, Our neighbors to the west, Kansas, where we will be heading, hopefully in a few days for Christmas, uh, comes in at number 14. I was a little surprised at that until I told my wife that, and she goes, oh, yeah, my parents complain all the time that taxes in Kansas are so high. I never knew. Number 14, good old Missouri. Missouri comes in at, I just had it circled. Now, where is it? Okay, folks, let me, uh, here it is. So the, the, the higher the number, the better. So if you're all the way down in the 40s, close to 50, that's actually good. It means you're at the bottom of the list. Well, Missouri, not too bad. We're at 38. So, um, you know, in the second half, second third, or rather the bottom third, at 38, with an effective state tax of 7.8%. And for what it's worth, your bottom five in this, which I would say really is your top five in terms of best places to live and if you're just only looking at the state tax burden. Number five would be New Hampshire. Number four, Wyoming. Number three, Delaware. Number two, neighbors just to the southeast of us, Tennessee. And number one, Alaska, at just 5%. 5% total. It has no state income tax. And then uh, property tax burden is actually pretty high. Their property tax is ranked 11th highest, but they're one of, um, I think, seven or eight states with no state income tax. And their sales tax is really low, like bottom five at only 1.5%. So the effective rate at just 5.06. That's best by a long shot. Um, And what I also noticed, remember when I said that six of the highest are in the New England area? Interestingly, that in the the best five, two more in the New England area, New Hampshire and Delaware. I I just kind of find that fascinating. 
I also then went on Wallet, Wallet Hub when I was just killing time just because I like a lot of their surveys. And I didn't have time to dig into this. I saw this just before I drove downtown for this show. But the one thing that I looked up was most sinful cities in America. Ooh. And they have things. One category is anger and hatred. Now, I'm sure if I wanted to look through there, I can look at their research data and what that means. How do, how do you measure anger and hatred? But that's a category. Jealousy. How do you measure jealousy? That's kind of funny. Excesses and vices, greed and lust. You see what they're doing here. No surprise, number one, what would you say is the most sinful city? Well, Sin City. Should it surprise anyone that Las Vegas would come out as number one? So I kind of put them in their own category. Whoever finishes number two would be like, yeah, yeah, that's not very good. You're up there with Las Vegas. You know who it is? St. Louis. The most sinful city in America, according to Wallet Hub. This just came out on December 5th, by the way. Anger and hatred, however they measure that. We were number one. Las Vegas was 32nd, so it's way down there in one of the categories. How many cities do they have here? Hold, bear with me here. Oh, my goodness, they've got hundreds. 182. Okay, so out of 182 cities, St. Louis, according to Wallet Hub, is number one in anger and hatred. This is one of the problems, by the way, with all these polling, and I think a lot of us who are from St. Louis, and I'm very loyal to this city, I'm, I'm, I, I defend her all the way, Um. One thing that I get very defensive about, like somebody who's cutting down one of my own family members, even if maybe part of it's true, I don't care. Outsiders, you're not allowed to say that about my brother or my mother or whoever. I feel the same way when they talk about St. Louis in this way. But they don't realize, people who are not from this area, that we are in some ways geographically very divisive, aren't we? We have the city and then we have the big county. If we combined everything for just the purpose of these surveys, we wouldn't show up on 90% of them. I don't think outsiders realize that. They go, wow, St. Louis, well, look at all this. Well, it, it it's basically a very small percentage of the entire area geographically. When we put the entire community together, we don't even register. But anyway, that's just a personal complaint. Um, so number one in anger and hatred out of 100 and what did I say, 86 cities or whatever, uh, number 12 in jealousy. And, and then we're number one. I don't get this. Excesses and vices. We're number one there. Now, at least in greed, we're all the way down to 82. So that's good. And then lust. I can't even believe I'm even reading this. Lust, we're number 22. So when you combine all those, we come out at number two. And for what it's worth, because I know you all care. Philadelphia is third. Houston, I just noticed that, where my daughter and uh, son-in-law live, number four. And good old Hotlanta, Atlanta, Georgia, at number five. Before I go to a break, i got to get all the way down here because I did not see this. I'm doing this live with you. Okay, the best five in terms of, like, the least sinful. Oh, come on. These are all small little towns. Of course, you're going to have all these bigger cities. Anyway, number five. Cape Coral, Florida, number four, West Valley City, Utah. No sin there, apparently. Fremont, California, number three. Bridgeport, I've been there. I've been to a few of these places. And the least sinful city. The one apparently with virtually no greed, 
no lust, no anger. Port St. Lucie, Florida. Congratulations. You must be a boring city. We'll be right back. Nearly a century of informing, entertaining, and serving St. Louis. KMOX. All right, my friends, welcome back. You are listening to, of course, At Your Service on KMOX. It is exactly 935. Dave Simon's filling in. CFP by day and, uh, well, I don't know, whatever I feel like talking about occasionally at night. Uh, Next time I'm on filling in as a guest host will be a week from tomorrow. That will be Wednesday uh, the 28th, Uh, typical time, um, 8 to 10. And I was just looking here. So and then after that, the following week, or actually just a few days later, I I guess, uh, Monday, January 2nd, I'm on in the afternoon filling in from 1 to 3 p.m., and then a few days later on Thursday the 5th, 8 to 10. So, um, yeah, I guess I'm kind of the mop-up guy. I'm, you know, the manager has come out, and he's he's pointing to his left arm to the bullpen, so the lefty, that would be me, uh, being pulled in here a few times. Uh, lefty and only sports-related things. I'm one of those uh, weirdos. Yeah, I know, I know, but in a different way this time. Everything that I do sports-related is left-handed, but anything to do with fine motor skills, I'm right-handed. So I throw left, I bowl left, I golf left, uh, what, bat left, play tennis. That's what I majored, or majored, lettered in, majored in, yeah, I wish, lettered in uh, in high school. Um, so in, anything sports-related, anything that takes all the big muscle groups and all that, I, I'm a lefty. But I write right-handed. I play pool right-handed, which is a little bit more of a finesse thing. Eat right-handed. I don't shoot a gun much, but when I do, um, right-handed. So it's really strange. The the only thing that's really kind of wacky is I throw left-handed. In fact, I was a pitcher, uh, lefty. But I can't really throw a Frisbee left-handed. I throw a Frisbee right-handed. So I always told my kids when they were old enough to kind of notice I was a little different that way. I always said that's a mark of genius. It is. I use both sides of my brain. I'm left brain and right brain. And that's how Albert Einstein and Tom Edison were. I completely made that up. It's not true at all, but it worked for my kids. So they grew up thinking their dad was a genius. Didn't take them too long, I don't think. Maybe by second grade they realized that uh, that was not the case. Speaking of fraudulent claims... Have you seen the story of this new congressman from New York, specifically from Long Island? One for the first time out of nowhere, Republican. Typically, Republicans don't win there, but this guy did. George Santos. Now he's made national news for all the wrong reasons. His resume apparently is fictitious. And it's really strange that none of this came out during the campaign. It was only when the New York Times started to look into who this guy was in a little bit more detail. And I don't know what trip tipped them to this. Is it because how does this guy win in an area that typically does not elect Republicans? And who is this guy, by the way? I don't think they even thought he had a chance of winning. In fact, he had run a couple of years before in 2020 and got trounced. He comes back and he wins. 
So after the fact, the Times looks at it and realizes there's almost nothing true on his resume except maybe his name. So first of all, he said he was a seasoned Wall Street financier and investor. He also uh, runs a rescue charity for animals, has saved more than 2,500 dogs and cats, said he worked at Citigroup and Goldman Sachs. You know, if you're going to say that you work for these big investment banks, why not throw Goldman out there? Turns out New York Times went to these places like City and Goldman. They say, we have no record of the guy. Never worked here. He also apparently went to Baruch College, where he said he graduated from in 2010. The New York Times said, hey, administrators at Baruch College, what about this, Mr. Santos? I've never heard of him. They looked at his name, the birth date that he supposedly was born. No such guy exists. And it goes on and on and on. They looked at this animal rescue group that he supposedly founded, Friends of Pets United, tax-exempt organization. IRS can't locate a record of it. <laughs> I mean, it's one thing. If, if it was just one thing, and this occasionally happens with some of these folks, right? Uh, he said he served in the military, and he didn't. Which, by the way, is about the worst lie in terms of resume enhancing. It's called stolen valor. As someone who didn't serve in the military but have friends who have, I have the utmost admiration and respect. I, I, I mean, un, I it was one of it's. I've raised more charity in in a. So occasionally, I'll 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 run for charity, run a marathon or whatever. And the one that I did out in Washington, D.C. for the Semper Fi Fund for Marines, uh, injured Marines, fallen Marines and their families, I raised more money for that than anything else, and I was happy to do it. Um, When somebody boasts that they served in some capacity when they didn't, oh, and I didn't even serve. I can't imagine for those of you who did, and somebody claims that they were out fighting when they they didn't. I, I can understand your anger. At least he didn't do that. But that's not uncommon. Or to say... I graduated here with honors when you didn't. But it's like one thing after another. He describes this family fortune in real estate, but he's not disclosed anything about it. What real estate? Where? So you would think that at least one of these things would have come out in the campaign. Now, the guy he lost to, the Democrat, rightfully is coming out going, uh, excuse me, you should resign and I should be in little self-serving, but I get it. I would say the same thing, of course. Um, but even the county Republicans up there in the Long Island area are, are saying, yeah, you know what, Mr. Santos, you, you got to come out and explain yourself. So he's hired an attorney, and the attorney, you know what his response was? Yeah, typical New York Times. Wanted to destroy this strong, new, conservative voice in Long Island. Okay, fine. I'm not saying it's not true that the New York Times would love to see a Republican go down in Long Island. Not saying that that's not true or or accurate in any way. But why not refute the charges then? Why not show that they got everything wrong? I have a feeling he's not going to be long. He's going to get enough pressure from within the GOP up there that he'll be out. It's just one of the worst cases of fraud on a resume of any politician I've ever seen. Speaking with politics, I, I I don't think I can ignore, of course, the, the big news that happened with the January 6th committee. I'm not personally going to get in any discussion here other than this. 
people need to remember again, because I've seen a lot of, I've heard from a lot of folks who don't, they haven't followed this very closely, so they don't know what this really means. Does this mean Donald Trump has been charged? No. These are recommendations by this January 6th committee. The Justice Department is the only one that can charge. This committee has no legal authority. Now, they did a heck of a job for 18 months interviewing hundreds, if not thousands of witnesses, looking at thousands of hours of tapes. And then they come up with this and they said, we we charge Donald J. Trump with these, uh, not really charge, I guess, but accuse him of these four violations. But they have no legal standing. Now, the Justice Department, this is the interesting thing to me, is conducting its own investigation. Now, it can take the January 6th committee and some of its findings and go, yeah, we will incorporate that within our own research. But they are conducting their own investigation. And they do have the authority to say we are indicting the former president of these charges or or not. I don't know. I will say when I looked at the four charges and I read through them and then I read a lot of um, legal authorities to see if they thought that any of these could actually stick because they would go to a jury trial if, in fact, these four were part of the Justice Department charges. The one that has no chance really is the insurrection. And that's, by the way, this isn't me speaking. This is just what most of the lawyers that I've been reading about say. Um, Because all the hundreds of people who have been charged by actually going into the Capitol, there isn't one actual insurrection charge in any of the 900 criminal prosecutions that you have to show that you have personal um, connection to some kind of a, a rebellion or insurrection against the United States in a in a jury. I think that would be really, really tough. Now, the other ones, obstruction of an official proceeding, conspiracy to defraud by continuing to tell the so-called big lie, all that, we'll see. But the guy that they have, have you seen this guy? I don't have much time here, so I would tell you to Google it. I mean, he looks like this dude is bad. And I don't mean in a negative way. I mean like a guy you don't want to mess with bad. A guy that you would not want to get into a fight with bad just by his look. He's the special counsel that the Department of Justice has hired to to lead the investigation into these charges against Donald Trump and others. His name's Jack Smith. Very common name. Just put in special counsel Jack Smith. And look at these pictures. He's a New Yorker. He's an American. But he's actually been hired in the past by like the Hague to go over internationally and prosecute war criminals successfully in the midst of death threats, gangsters. He's put mafia people away. I mean, this dude has no fear. He will go in and he will get to witnesses. He will uncover things. And the DOJ has a guy who doesn't mess around. This is the thing that intrigues me the most. Now, he may look at it all and go, ah, yeah, I think Donald Trump probably was guilty of this and that, but would a would a jury of his peers actually say? I, I don't know. Uh, this is going to be interesting. It's not ending anytime soon, but um, I'm surprised at some of the misinformation about what the January 6th committee really is. It, it doesn't have the legal standing. It can just make recommendations, and that's all. But look at the name of Jack Smith and look at his background. I, I, I'm just I'm enthralled by the guy, to be honest with you, even before all this. Okay, we'll come back and close out tonight's edition of At Your Service when we return. Stay with us, please. 
10 minutes before 10 o'clock. Thank you so much for taking time out this evening, my friends, to tune us in here on Camo X and specifically at your service. My name is Dave Simons, and uh, I wish you well as we head into uh, the Christmas weekend, especially for those of you traveling over the next couple of days. You should be fine tomorrow. It'll be cold. And then, as you know, um, the severe Arctic winter weather starts to roll in Thursday, overnight Thursday, and then by Friday, it may be tapering off a little bit, but the uh, the cold blast will stay with us, and those wind chills will be really dangerous. They they really will be, getting down 20, 25 below, maybe even worse. So uh, I'll be out there on the roads with you, traveling uh, across state lines. So um, not till Friday. I think we'll be okay. If not, we'll go Saturday. Just take your time. You'll get there. Um, if I were king for a day in my little corner of the world when it comes to investing in the financial markets, there were a few things I would do, but I'm just going to tell you one of them in particular. With the ability for people to have pensions waning, 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 where when I got into the business, a vast number of people had them. Nowadays, very few. We are required to basically take care of ourselves now. We're just going to have to do that. I, I'm i appalled by the lack of financial education in our schools. If we are to take care of ourselves, why don't we have mandatory classes when it comes to finance and investing? Uh, yes, all the other things are important, of course. History and math, English, science, all that stuff. But let's be honest. How many people will use all of that or most of it when they're 25, 35, 60 years old. It's a small number. Everyone will have their unique niche in one of those. But everybody has to know about money. Everybody. And pretty much everybody has to know about how to put money away for themselves so it will grow appropriately for use later in life. And we don't teach anybody that. It's really appalling. So baby steps. Baby steps. And one of the things that uh, at least Congress is trying to make right in a very small way, but anything helps, is to try to make it a little easier for people to put money away while they work to help themselves. So you may hear more about this because I think Congress, or one of the houses, I don't know who, whether it's the House or, or the Senate, will be voting on something called the SECURE Act, SECURE 2.0. Um, there are several provisions. I'll, I'll, I'll just hit a few. One of them is that most employers could be required, mandated, to automatically enroll employees in their plan. Let's say it's a 401k plan. If you don't want to do it as an employee, you have to take the action to basically opt out. Now, some of you may say, well, that's not right. They they can't force you. Well, they're not forcing you. Well, they they shouldn't have to make the employee realize a year into it that he's been putting money away into 401k. Well, I'm telling you, this is helpful. It really is because typically people, those who don't invest, typically don't do it because they say, well, I don't feel like putting money away. It's just lack of inertia. It's I'll get around to it or it's too difficult or I don't understand it. So they don't do it. This way, the company then will be required. Now, there's going to come all kinds of rules and red tape and regulations. That's the negative side. And employers could find themselves liable in certain circumstances. Okay, we're forcing you to invest in a 401k, or at least we're opting you in. 
whether you like it or not at the beginning. But now you're on your own. You have to choose what you're going to invest in. Well, I think some of these companies are going to have to require some kind of education. So that's number one. And that's probably going to pass, by the way. It would not take effect until 2025, by the way. So we're a couple of years away. Um, This one's interesting. Allowing employer contributions for student loan payments. I'm intrigued by that, but I can't find a lot of information on it, which is interesting. So when somebody who went through school racks up all of that debt and they're making these loan payments back, it really makes it harder to save for retirement. There's no question. Well, this Secure 2.0 Act is going to allow employers to make a matching contribution to their employee's retirement plan based on their student loan payments. Now, what I can't find is, is that in addition to any matching that they're already doing? Because as you know, a lot of companies match. Or do they say, well, we're already matching you 3%, so that's just going to be the student loan match. I, I don't know. I can't find that out. I would like to think it's an addition. Now, that's not a mandated thing, by the way. That's just a perk that some employers will say to, to attract, let's say, really potentially good employees, hey, you've got this big loan. Well, you come work for us, and we do like a match 50 cents on the dollar of what you're paying back every year for your student loan. We put that into your 401K. Oh, great. That That's very helpful. Another thing, they're going to increase the required minimum distribution for those of you who take out that RMD. You know, it was 70 and a half. They moved it to 72. Well, part of the SECURE Act, they're going to move it to 73 next year and then up to 75 10 years from now. I'm not so sure how that helps people save technically for retirement, but at least it it allows people to continue to let their money grow tax deferred. So that's not a bad thing. Let's see. I just have a a few more seconds. Uh, What else can I do? Oh, yeah. Uh, Catch up contribution limits for older workers. So since I'm above 50, I get to do this. I can put in an additional $6,500 a year into my 401k. Anyone who's over 50 can do that. Well, they're going to add for those over 60, which again, (laughs) I'm in there now. So I will be able to put at least 10000 in addition to the regular amount in a 401k. So that's good, too, for people who would like to uh, add even more when they get a little bit older. So keep that in mind. That's going to be out there, Secure Act 2.0. Okay, take it easy out there on the roads, everyone. Happy Hanukkah. Merry Christmas. And again, I'll be on again next Wednesday on the 28th. Until then, be safe. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.
We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.